Hi, we're so excited that you stopped by to check out this week's podcast. We hope that you will be blessed by the sermon. If you'd like more info about Providence, visit our website, providencecommunity.org. We hope to see you soon. Um, if you have a Bible, just turn to uh, Matthew chapter 3. If you've got an app, go there. Uh, phone, whatever you're using. Um, if you would, just go there. And, and I'm going to get to the scripture in a second, but just wanted to say that uh, a couple weeks back I preached and um, uh, it was a, a rushed kind of thing. We were trying to get a lot of things into a service and um, as a result I was left with uh, little time and I just wanted to recap a couple things um, from that and, and kind of carry it into this week if, if I could. Um, and if you weren't here, that's okay because I'll get you up to speed quickly. But the what we were looking at is uh, adoption, and uh, one of the things I wanted to draw out was that uh, the term adoption uh, in the Bible literally means to be placed as a son or daughter. And this carries significance in both the Roman culture that Paul was ex- writing to and expressing um, that there was a legal placement that could happen in, in uh Adoption, but it always carried, but it also carried Jewishness with it in being placed, and that fathers would place their sons at a certain time in their maturity, and uh, it was a very significant act uh, that would happen. A very significant act that the father would place the son, and uh, in that act, um, what the fathers were saying was, uh, this person now has power of attorney, so use of his father's name in executing legal things. Um, This uh, person now has use of my wealth, so they received their inheritance at that point, and they were able to uh, tap into the wealth of the father, and uh, they also had uh, use of power and authority that came in the name of their father, their family name. So, what I wanted you to see in the, in when you read uh, in the New Testament, the word adoption is it is a much richer uh, word than what we might carry out of our Western culture and experience. It's not just about coming into a family. That's part of it. But it's coming in and being placed. And if you're like me, when I start to meditate on that, that I have the inheritance of my father, that I have the wealth of a storehouse that overflows when I have the name of my father to be able to execute things, not execute like well, honestly, there is a bit of execution in the use of the Father's name. There are evil things that we put to death, right? So, the, the, yeah, the, the power of life and death is in the tongue. But what I want you to hear is when I pray in Jesus' name, that's not just a catchphrase that we say instead of amen. That is a legal execution as a placed child of God that I can exercise authority through. What I'm saying is, I'm acting in the will of my Father, with the resources of my Father, under the blessing of my Father, and what I say is done. Okay? 
hugely significant in our walk as Christians uh, and in our understanding of what it means to be a child. I've had an incredibly rich week, and I'm hoping that that's going to spill out onto you uh, today. It really has been. Um, I've had some meetings this week, some ministry opportunities that have been just um, incredibly blessed by the Lord's presence and his work. Uh, Met with a young lady earlier this week who was really wrestling with some things and was able to speak the very truths that I'm kind of going over with you into her life, um, just who she is and that she can rest in the fact that God uh, is so pleased with her and is going to get her to where she needs to be in his loving way and his love. And, and I just watched as her countenance began to change. And, and then the Lord revealed a couple things that she had been carrying and lying about. And what I said to her was, I can't make decisions for you, but you need to get with God and see what he says. And I'm not kidding you, it was within hours that I was getting texts her, from her. <laughs> where she said, sat down with so-and-so, sat down with so-and-so, sat down with so-and-so, and went over the things that I had been lying about and revealed the things that I had been keeping in the dark, and they responded that they love me, and they responded that they're with me. And she said, and I feel free. Yeah. Yeah. That came out of receiving who she was as a child. That her dad is pleased and sees her and promises to develop all that she is, you know? It's exciting. Followed that up with a meeting. I had a lot of coffee on this morning. It was like meeting into meeting. Starbucks, Panera. And I was jacked afterwards, but uh, followed that up with a meeting, um, got to participate in a meeting with this guy, Mike Corson, and, and uh, another person in, in our congregation, and uh, she was wrestling through some things, and, and this time not bad stuff, this time really good stuff. And um, what we began to, to talk through and see unfold was a vision for healing ministry that God's put on her heart. And... Um, Man, it's so exciting when you can get with the body and just begin to see what God is releasing through people in this congregation, that they, as they are being healed uh, and, and stepping into, that God is downloading uh, dreams and visions and, and inspiration and courage and all these things. And um, I can't wait. Uh, to see. I left that meeting and just on cloud nine, man, it was just like, this is so cool. Uh, it was just fabulous time. And then I ended my week. I'm actually going to teach you something. I'm just, uh, I, I ended my week uh, marrying Jordan Kerr and Aaron Luckenball. They are now Mr. and Mrs. Jordan Kerr. Um, yeah. Uh, so if they listen to the podcast in the two weeks that they'll be in Hawaii, yay, curse, right? Um, they usually sit over here and uh, just a sweet couple and, and the service was simple and eloquent and, eloquent and, and beautiful and 
Um, but what I was struck by, I found myself talking with folks. I, I talked with one gentleman who had taught Sunday school for 26 years in a church and is still teaching, but 26 years he's been teaching teenagers in a church in Gettysburg. And this guy was so, when I left, I'm like, man, I, want, I just want to teach Sunday school. Yeah, I mean, he just was so on fire and was, we were just telling story. I've been working with teens now for almost 30 years in one capacity or another, and we're just swapping stories and retreats and people getting maced in the face and, you know, all kinds of stuff that only happens in youth ministry. And, and uh, you know, uh, it was just fabulous. And I talked with another gentleman who had been on mission trips, and he's relating this. I'm talking to Jordan's parents who have been praying for 20-some years for a godly spouse. And there we are, right? I, I'm, I'm up there, and I, I'm watching the fulfillment of that prayer. And um, it was, you know, they're, they're, uh, when they were calling tables for dinner, one table was louder than all the other. Guess what table that was? The Providence <laughs> table. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but I left there and I just thought, man, what a rich experience to be in the family of God, you know? Aaron's parents are, are just devout believers and uh, connected to CABC, which is connected to a ministry time that I had and Nathan had, and, and here's Providence and CABC. And all this stuff is just together and um, it, it was just fabulous. So... Uh, Coming to you today, um, oh, let's just turn, Matthew 3, go to verse uh, 16, and we're going to read from 16 down to chapter 4, verse 1. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. If you haven't been baptized... I want to take pause just a second because I know we have some baptism classes coming up and we have some baptisms coming up. Jesus himself submitted to baptism. Sinless, but he still submitted to water baptism by John for all righteousness to be filled. And I want to encourage you. Um, there is a very significant thing when we take time to identify with Christ death and resurrection through baptism. It's a simple act of obedience, but it takes a profound decision in the heart to say publicly, I want to identify with the sacrificial death of my Savior and the all-conquering resurrection, okay? That I want to be in the family of God, and I'm willing to stand in front of a bunch of people and exercise that. So take some time and just think about that and then decide whether or not you want to participate in that this go-around. I don't know. Can we still do that, Mike? 
Yeah, you can still do that. Yeah. We'll get you in. We'll set up another pool if we have to. We'll go to the lake if we have to. I've been baptizing people in my creek down by my house. It's been cool. Literally, it's been cool. <laughs> A little chilly this time of year. Um, Noah over here, where's Noah? Noah got baptized in our creek just a couple weeks ago. Pretty cool. Yeah, Noah. So Jesus gets baptized, and immediately he went up from the water. And behold, the heavens were open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. I want to take a moment and just talk about this. Open heavens and a spirit encounter. And I want to say to you that the Holy Spirit is not some elusive thing that we're playing hide and seek with. Okay? Jesus was a believer, right? <laughs> I expected a little bit more of a solid response on that one. Jesus was a believer. Right? Yeah. And he still had a Holy Spirit encounter. Right? Yeah. And the Spirit encounter was marked. The heavens were opened and he saw the Spirit. Now, listen, I'm not saying every one of us will have the same experience. Right? Because it's not about the experience. It's about the encounter. And here's the beauty of our Lord. There's a bunch of individuals in this room, and he knows you individually. He knows how to encounter you and for you to encounter him, that, that the intimacy of that encounter happens. Does that make sense? It's not hide and seek. It's not like, uh, hey, I'm going to give you my spirit. Um, maybe you'll catch it someday. <laughs> you know, and then we spend all our time looking for the spirit. No. It's a distinct encounter, and it's marked. It's something we can call back to, like our salvation experience. There's another aspect of this part of these verses that I want to draw out, and that is something extremely significant is happening here. We are leaving a visitational culture with our God, and we are entering a habitational culture with our God. Do you get that? I don't have to go to the tent. I don't have to go to the tabernacle. You understand, I become the tabernacle. You realize that there's a, there's a, there's a part of our lives that Moses wishes he had. He didn't get to carry him around all day, every day, right here. Right? Habitational culture. We get the spirit. What an amazing gift. What an amazing God. What happens in this point in the scripture is transformational. It is is incredible shift of culture. And of course, on uh, in Acts, 
we see the ushering in of the fullness of that habitational culture. But ours is not a visitational culture, but a habitational culture. So if you're waiting to come in here every Sunday to meet with God, stop it. Today's the day. Take him with you. Bring him back when you come. Take him everywhere you go. And share him. Share him with others. So we don't have to guess whether or not we've got the spirit. It's a definite experience. Okay? I just want to show you two things real quickly. Keep your finger right where it is or however you do that on an app. I don't know. Um, But go to uh, Luke 24. That comes after Matthew in case you started paging backwards like I just did. I don't know why I'm going to the Old Testament. Luke 24, verse 49. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with the power on high. Okay, so he's describing the coming of the Spirit, right? How did the disciples know when to leave the room? He said what? Stay until he comes. How did they know when to leave? They knew he came. We can now leave, right? There was a definite experience. If you remember the Acts passage, a mighty rushing wind, tongues of fire. There were expressions of, of the, of the uh, Spirit's grace through people, and uh, power filled that place. Power filled that place. But there was a, Jesus said, stay there until he comes. He didn't say, stay there, and on the 50th day, I'll send him, and then you'll know because it'll be the 50th day, and after you counted to that many days, then you can go, right? He just said, stay until he comes. And when he came, they knew it. Okay, let's go one more reference. Um, Acts 19, Acts chapter 19, Nineteen, nineteen, nineteen. Michelle, wasn't there something about 19? Yeah. It's another Sunday. Acts 19, verse 2, Paul's in Ephesus, and he says to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, into what then were you baptized? They said, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. So Paul asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit? And what was their response? No. They knew they had not received the Holy Spirit, right? 
So we had a little teaching moment there, and, and then Paul prays and lays hands on, and, and, and the, the Spirit is received, and they knew they had received that Spirit because there were some manifestations of, of His presence, okay? So I just want to show you that, that this is not an elusive thing. This is not something we have to be afraid of. Matter of fact, this is something we should desire, okay? The filling of the Spirit is something that we want to receive and be a part of. It's not elusive. It's not crazy. It's not extra weird. It's not any of this stuff. It's just the gift of God. And His fullness affects our lives, as we're going to see, okay? I could give you reference on top of reference. If you come to my gifted and called class, you'll get a little bit more of that, because we spend a lot of time about our relationship with the Spirit, okay, in that class. Just a little shameless plug. We have a lot of fun there. Uh, back to Matthew. You can flip back to Matthew. So we have a distinct experience. And behold, <clears throat> verse 17, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Do you think Jesus needed to hear that? I know, I'm asking for a lot of participation this morning. Do you think Christ needed to, needed to hear that? No, I don't think he did. I think he knew that. Yeah. So who, what, why, why, did, why did God say it? Out loud for everyone to hear. I want, here's, here's what I want you to think about. Jewish culture, fathers placed their sons. It was a public event. And I believe what we're seeing is Christ's Father publicly saying, this is my Son, in whom I am well pleased. He is going through a placement of Jesus an endorsement, if you will, opening the resources of heaven, sharing the power of his spirit with a son who is about to embark on his mission and ministry. If Christ is our example, what does this say to us? In our placement into the family of God, there are some significant things we should desire, we should expect, we should receive, we should want to receive. I want to encourage you. If some of this is new to you, get with a trusted uh, believer and, and um, begin to dive into the scriptures a little bit, okay? D.L. Moody preached a lot of years and did a lot of good ministry and came to a point in his own ministry where he recognized something was missing. People were coming to faith. There was all kinds of power. I mean, he was known for being a powerful preacher. But he watched another man preach one night. 
And he said, he's got something I don't have. And he sought that man out. And that man sat down with him and said, I know what you're missing. Let me pray for you that you receive the fullness of the Spirit. D.L. Moody, in his memoirs, notes that as the absolute shift in his preaching ministry. He said, there was a power encounter. My ministry, my preaching was never the same after. I had an incredibly powerful summer one summer, and um, that summer started with this. Lord Jesus, I'm not sure I know how to be intimate with you. I just come to a place in my life and in my personal development um, where I love God. I told him I loved him, but I wasn't sure I knew how to be intimate with him. And in uh, about a three uh, month space, not even three months, a couple months space of time, God began to show me what it means to be intimate. And the culmination of that experience was a gift of the fullness of the Spirit on the front porch of my mom's house one, sun, er, one morning uh, that left me dancing, literally. And I don't dance pretty, people. Dancing on the lawn. I've never had a more intimate encounter with the Lord than I had on that day, and it has marked my ministry. Very quietly, very subtly, but has marked my ministry. The way that I minister changed because of that moment. Again, I just want to encourage you. Cry out to the Lord. This is not a striving, people. This is not a striving. This is a surrender experience. This is something that your soul longs for, doesn't work for, but longs for. And if you're honest with God about that, he will meet you in that place. Does that make sense? Okay. Okay. Then Jesus, verse 4, or um, chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Once you've got the Spirit, you'll want to follow Him anywhere. When the Spirit of God is in you and is moving, and you're going to want to follow Him anywhere. But what I want you to see is that Christ just got the endorsement, did he not? This is my son in whom I am well pleased. Then the spirit led him into all comfort and peace and tranquility and a season of rest. No. <laughs> then the spirit took him into the wilderness to be tempted. Sometimes God needs to take us to wilderness places. Sometimes he, he, he needs to take us
to places that aren't comfortable. I've done two or three 40-day fasts in my journey with the Lord. They're not comfortable. And they weren't in the wilderness. (laughs) Jesus follows the Spirit. Okay? Which is resting on Him. It's not a, you know, hey, wait. How did he know that the Spirit was taking him in there? It wasn't his first encounter with the voice of the Spirit of God. I love to picture in my mind the dove coming down. Can you imagine? Jesus was used to habitational culture. He wasn't really used to visitational culture, which he had to be in for quite a while before the Spirit came, right? I can just imagine the Spirit's coming down like a dove, gentle. But I'm thinking he's going, yeah! Communion again, we're back. You know, we're, hey Jesus, you remember when we created all this? The dad, I know I'm not trying to be irreverent. I just believe the heart connection between the Trinity, that there is just a depth that we don't get. I I just imagine Father God sending the Spirit. Just, oh man. Sorry, I lost my train of thought. Sometimes our wilderness is longer than we want, harder than we want. God didn't say to Jesus, go into the wilderness for 40 days. The Spirit just took him into the wilderness. He didn't know how long. But he'd follow that Spirit. And he was riding the wave of the endorsement. You see? As a place son or daughter, we sang about this this morning. As a place son or daughter, we understand that if God places me, he promises to perfect me. He is the author and the perfecter. He is the beginning and he is the end. And he is everything in between. And if I would just follow him, he's going to do his work in and through me. There is no anointing without crushing. You don't get oil from an olive without that olive being crushed. You don't get wine from a grape without that grape being crushed. What other oils do we have? Vegetable oil, sunflower oil, you know? Extra virgin oil. I, I don't get that. How do you get more virginish? You're either pure or you're not pure, but somehow we've managed to market and sell extra purity. I don't know. Mark of a sin-fallen world, I guess, right? We think something's pure and all of a sudden we discover, no, let's make it extra pure. Yeah, that's a good idea. 
There's got to be a crushing in order for there to be an anointing. Okay? So if you're in your wilderness right now, you don't have to like it. I don't think Christ... Let's go 40 more days. You know, I think this was tiring and weary and a vulnerable time. Just know that there's purpose in the crushing. God's waiting to use you as an anointing. Lessons learned from Christ's temptation. This is the proper time to say, my dad said. If you're facing something that's very difficult to face, there's power in the name. My dad said. Don't you love that? I gave my kids permission all the time, still do, when they need it. You need to make me the bad guy? Make me the bad guy. Temptation starts coming, your friends are tempting you to do things you shouldn't. My dad said. Jesus put all of his needs secondary to what his dad said to what his dad desired what his dad was saying he could have called legions he could have very easily made bread all these things he knew he had a father who loved him and would take care of every one of those needs and the minute the devil fled his dad did Angels came and ministered to him and took care of him and brought him back into health. And he left the desert in power for a ministry that will never be duplicated. Bow your heads with me.